Hey everyone, Jeremy National Fire Radio. Happy Thanksgiving 2022. Today in the podcast, we're doing a throwback. A throwback to FDIC 2022, where we had Ray McCormack in the booth with us at the Mercedes Textiles booth. We were doing some live podcasting from FDIC this past year in partnership with Mercedes Hose. And we were enlightened to have guests like Ray McCormack sit down with us and talk about the job. This interview is about 45 minutes long. It's a great back and forth between Rob and myself with Ray and a lot of great nuggets about Ray's career, his thoughts on the American Fire Service, his contributions to it, and so on. So enjoy this episode. Enjoy your holiday. Happy Thanksgiving to you. Enjoy time with your family and friends. And if you're in the firehouse, break bread together, celebrate, and give thanks that you're part of the best culture and job in the world the american fire service anyway happy thanksgiving 2022 talk to you soon thanks for tuning in jeremy national fire radio national fire radio, national fire radio presents i wish my ear could forget what my eyes have seen Ten years ago, the groundbreaking firefighting movie Burned took audiences closer than they'd ever been. Into the fires and into the lives of the men who fight them. Ten years in the making, the long-awaited follow-up is finally here. The workload has increased and manpower has decreased. Burn X explores stories and characters you've never seen before and continues the journey for many of the Detroit firefighters you met in the first film. Fire Class 2019. Yes, Order your two-disc ultimate edition of Burn X on DVD and Blu-ray at burnstore.com or get it for streaming and download on iTunes, Apple TV, Amazon, Google Play, and Voodoo. What is a man's worth that doesn't make the world a better place? Taylor's Tins, one of the best there is. A good friend of ours and supporter of National Fire Radio. He comes up first in a lineup of sponsors because he means that much to me. Taylor's been with us from day one. I hit him up on day one and said, brother, I love your shield. I love what it represents. I'd like to give them out to all of our podcast guests. And from day one, almost five years ago, we've been issuing Taylor's Tins to all of our guests as a keepsake and recognition for their willingness to share some time and their story with us in our community at National Fire Radio. These aluminum helmet fronts, they change the market. They're revolutionary in what they do. Even if you're a traditionalist with the leather shield, the aluminum shield offers so much when it comes to durability, cleanliness, decon, they can do it all with the aluminum shield. Their customer service, let's talk about that for a minute, where things usually take several weeks now to get your hands on them from the from conception to manufacturing process and out the door and onto your helmet. Taylor can turn around orders within 48 hours, whether it's a 500-piece shield order for your department or a one-off customized shield. Taylor's doing them, and he's doing them within 48 hours, and they're getting out the door. It's not just helmet shields. Nope, there's more. They got locker tags, carbon monoxide meter, you know, data sheets. They have pump data sheets, pump tags, locker tags, street signs, banquet gifts. You name it, the list goes on and on. Check them out at taylorstins.com. That's where they conduct business. You can hit them up on the chat right there. They walk you through the process of designing your custom Taylor's Tin from the website. So go to taylorstins.com, check them out. They represent the very best of what the American Fire Service is all about, and I'm proud to have them as a sponsor of the National Fire Radio platform. And in the words of Taylor and his crew, stop burning up leather.
And we are live from the Mercedes Textiles booth. Guys, thanks for tuning in. Three o'clock, we're going live with Lieutenant Ray McCormick. McCormack. Yes. I apologize, we just talked about that. Oh my God. <laughs> Rob, here we are, man. Yes, we are. <laughs> you know, this is this is one of those times. I mean, we've gotten to know you over the last few years, and uh, I consider you a friend and, and, a, and a comrade and somebody that I enjoy talking to and more so listening from. And uh, I'm excited Appreciate today. It. We haven't had the chance to really sit down and BS. No, we and, haven't uh, done an official broadcast together. Yeah. But I think that uh, this is a great opportunity. I mean, you know, the place is busy. It's a great show so far. And to get you here today in the Mercedes Textiles booth with us, just to talk shop and maybe to learn some new things about you that maybe hasn't been shared before or some things about your career. But I will say that I would think everybody tuning in and hear people at the show, they know who you are. You're a name in the fire service, an influential and innovative name in the American fire service. And for that, we're grateful. And well, I think, appreciate that. I think you have a great message to share. You've been teaching now. We were just talking about that for over 20 years. Yep. A little history about you. 38 years on the job in the FDNY. Retired out of the Harlem Hilton, ladder 28. That's right. Yep. Number one in customer and firefighter <laughs> satisfaction. That's right. <laughs> that is one of my most favorite lines. For everybody tuning in and the people standing around, if you haven't seen Ray's keynote um, at 2009 FDIC, it is one of the more emotional and straight and matter-of-fact conversations or keynotes you will hear in regards to the state of affairs of the American Fire Service. Yeah, and some of that is still going on. <laughs> <laughs> Talk to me. I mean, I know, but listen, that, where, where did that come from? Yeah, that's, I mean, like, that's 13 like, years ago already. Yeah, if you think yeah, about that. Yeah, it was 2009. Sure. It was. It was very. I don't know if you're a big public. I know you teach a lot. Right. So public speaking is very comfortable for you now. That's correct. But that that keynote was powerful, and I've watched it a few times now, and I, and I, I'd like to think a lot of other people have too, looking at the views and so on. Right. But it was moving. It was in your face. It was matter of fact, and that's who you are, though. Right, right. Authenticity. Talk to me about designing and developing. Was that easy to write? Uh, some people thought I wrote it on the way there, but... <laughs> 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 yeah, one guy wrote, what, did he write that on a train yeah, right. on the way there? I don't, I don't know. know. I, I would think... Don't obviously, not a, not a supporter, obviously. Right, right, right. right, right. Uh, no, I, I wrote it, and um, wrote it in stages, obviously, and then... You know, I had the whole idea of the music coming on and everything, and uh, that was different. They had never done that right, before. Right, right. But the lady who does the sound here was very nice, and I told her, I said, hey, I want to get this song Jump Around to play. And she's like, yeah. So I said, I want it really <laughs> loud, too. And then I said, this is what I want you to do. You have a record scratch? She goes, yeah, we have record scratch, no problem. So she puts a record scratch on there, and, it, and yeah. then if you watch close enough, you'll see I stop jumping around, and I... Like salute Halton, like all right, enough of that. That's enough of that. Yeah. yeah. So, you know, it was fun to it was fun to put together, and you're right. It, um, John Norman's wife, I I ran into after John had presented, or I I believe got an award. Right. And uh, so we were talking amongst ourselves, and she said, I loved your speech. She said I laughed, I cried, you know, it touched me. I was like, yeah, that's yeah. Kind of, that's what a a good speech is supposed to do. 100%. You know, so, uh, and get and, people thinking or whatever. You know. And you've been coming now to FDIC for many, many years. Yeah, I, I started coming here in 2000. I was invited here uh, to be part of a hot team, and we did live fire, uh, live burn, and I did that for a few years. And then eventually I uh, presented a classroom here. And it wasn't that great, but 
you know, I finished very early, so so that so they could go to another <laughs> the guys, class. Guys in the background, they could, like, they could take in yeah. two classes right, in the right. same yeah. time period. <laughs> but um, so that worked out. But then uh, I I've been involved in six hot classes here, three of which I created on my own, and uh, you know, got to meet a lot of marvelous people here. I see them every year. Yeah, instructors that I've known for 20 years. Sure. Yeah, it's really great. So. Sure. The camaraderie of this event, right? I mean, I'm sure that you do enjoy. I mean, you travel a lot, doing a lot of conferences, true, and a lot in the same circles. I mean, you have yeah, that's a, right. a, I don't want to say a guarded group, but a group of, of of guys that have been doing this for a long time, true, that have the street credibility, the training credibility, and the ability to pass forth an incredible message in training. Was training always super important to you? Like coming up through the job, like from a probie point of view, up through your career as a fireman, senior fireman to a lieutenant, right. how important was training to you? Well, obviously when you're a firefighter, you're dependent on other people to train you. Sure. So, you know, where I worked, I, was, I worked in Ladder 24 as a firefighter in Midtown Manhattan, and that was a place where you needed, you really needed to be mentored because, because the buildings were very different than most people experience and we had quite a quite a variety of situations that you might run into yeah so the firefighters helped each other they trained they made sure that you were going to be just as good when you had this position right. as they had it and our bosses were uh into it as well so, so there was almost like a uh, an, they were protecting the legacy of, right. of the company and, and, and making sure because they knew that they had an expiration date and you were going to be yeah. in that position teaching on. I think that's pretty... Yeah. In fact, I was the first probie. We had a firefighter killed in Macy's department store from the company. And two years later, I got hired and I was the first probie since then. Oh, wow. So, you know, there was probably a little bit more of a protective cocoon thrown over sure. me or a special interest, you might call it. So um, I felt when I left there, I got promoted out of there 13 years and then you toss your hat in the ring, see where you're gonna go. So I ended up going up to Harlem, and that's where I ended up staying. And But I always felt, and not braggart, but I always felt that I could work pretty much anywhere yeah. because of my experience down there. Yeah. It was just tremendous um, individual responsibility for decisions, which all ties into being a company officer. You have to make decisions. So I felt very prepared for that. Now, obviously, I wasn't in that role, you know, but it certainly, I believe, helped a lot. Yeah, and it should be said, too, right? A lot of people think they know the New York City Fire Department, but New York City is so unique in its neighborhoods alone that it's completely different response areas. Very diverse. Yeah. And and Midtown, we had it as well. We had high-rise office buildings. We had older commercial buildings, subways. I went to a cruise ship fire once. Uh, (laughs) You know, we had... Elevators, all, all kinds of elevator. You know, the funny thing about elevators, right, uh, is that back in those days, there weren't no cell phones. Right. We got people out of elevators that would be there all day. Oh, my gosh. You'd get right. stuck in some building and right. no one come in. Right. So there was no phone call made. And and I remember one woman, we got her out, basically just got the door. She, she lost it. She just fainted as soon as she got out because she was just so relieved, you know. That's wild. Or. Yeah. Or. One New Year's Eve, where uh, there's like 12 people stuck in this elevator, so we're, we're going to get them out. There's a party upstairs they're yeah, supposed right. to go to. So we end up forcing this door, 
get to the elevator, we open it. I think we had to, I think they might have climbed out the hatch, I forget, but, well, you know, we rang in the new year with them, let's That's put awesome. it that way. <laughs> we'll be available shortly. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> That's cool. I mean, yeah. you know, the storytelling and the experiences, right, working in Midtown like that and then heading up, what what wanted to make the change after 13 years to head uptown? Well, you know, it, uh, no matter how great your firehouse is, and there are plenty of them in, in New York. Well, plenty. isn't every firehouse you work in is the greatest firehouse, right? I, I believe so. Yes. Yeah, you definitely have to have that attitude. Right. So, but it's like anything else. You just want a little bit more diversity, and I, I was seeking that out for yeah. promotion. So, yeah. yeah. That challenge, because, you know, like we talked about before the show, I had um, access to a lot of people that were quite influential in the FDNY sure. and, you know, uh, mentoring me, you know, whether it was directly or through osmosis, you yeah, know, yeah, yeah. You, you know, they all have a, everybody you meet, you know, c- can leave something for you, you know, if you have a decent interaction, right. you know. So. Absolutely. Ray, did you ever have, like, you had all these mentors through your career early on, did, did you, do you recall any of those, like, corrections, like, when you made mistakes and how that interaction went? <laughs> yeah, yeah, I do. <laughs> that you can talk about, you know. <laughs> Some people were very direct in those days, and uh, so you knew where they were coming from. They didn't beat around the bush, which in the end is is fine. Uh, you know, they they would discipline you with love, I suppose, you know, uh, or torture you with love, but they, they were always looking out for you. They might break your chops, but 20 minutes later, they're showing you something that you should should know yeah and there, there were a lot of like in all fire departments there's a lot of tricks that you have to learn and ways to operate not just the tools but you know like certain buildings you go to you you learn what what you need to do in this building so being able to work in an area for a decent amount of time gives you an advantage yeah. a tactical advantage because yeah. you know the buildings and you you know what the game plan is um, I often say in my especially when I talk about leadership is, you know, you get good bosses, you get bad bosses, and you get lucky bosses. To me, the lucky boss is supported by a talented group of firefighters so that, you know, when they are there, especially we had it all the time, we had officers that came to Midtown Manhattan, right. and they were like, you know, duck yeah. out of water. They're yeah. like, ah, I've never worked in yeah. buildings this tall before. Right, right. <laughs> so they would, they, they would lean on the firefighters and say, listen, you know, you got to help me out here. This uh, fireman service elevator thing, I've never done it. I've read about sure. it. To them, it's just theoretical, but when it becomes part of your actual SOP. So the smart ones did that. So to me, that's the lucky boss who inherits the good crew. Right. But the good crew, hopefully, was built by good officers. Correct. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. So up in Harlem, uh, you start in a ladder company, right? So you yes, started in correct. a ladder. Yes. Went mm-hmm. to an engine. Yep. Rescue yep. for a little bit? No. No. No, then went back to the truck. Then went, okay, then went back to the truck. And you finished. I, I needed a rest. I needed a rest. So that, well, here's my question, right? I mean, you are known in the American Fire Service as the engine guy. Right. Moving water. Mm-hmm. You spent a lot of time in your career on ladders. Yeah, yeah, that's true. No, but where I'm going with that is it brought you back to your engine days. Yeah. Right? Well. Your training and what you talk about. I was a typical New York truck snob i believe fires could be put out with six foot hooks <laughs> at one time and uh so 
after I got promoted, you bounce, obviously. You bounce right. to different houses and stuff. And uh, so Patty Brown, who was uh, killed on 9-11, yeah. was a fireman in Rescue One. And Rescue One was near our quarters. So okay. I would see him, got to know him a little bit there. And then he was a captain at this point. He was the captain of 69 Engine. Got it. And he asked me, would you like to work here? And I was like, are you kidding? Uh, yeah. Hell yeah, I want to work yeah. here. First run I had was a fire day. I'm like, ah, sign yep, me up. I'm home. So, uh, yeah. yeah. So um, I stayed in the same house for over 25 years, basically. And, uh, you know, watched a lot of young guys come up. Uh, it was a great. It was great. Absolutely yeah. and, great. And with, in 69's territory, what is the neighborhood? What's your first do? Well, the neighborhood there is a lot of uh, five and six story tenements. Walk up? So, yep. Okay. So tenements are, you know, these, there's two different styles. I will just say one's narrow, the other's wide. Sure. And they're about the same depth, 70 to 100 usually. And that's kind of like a tenement. So you might have, in a five story, you might have 20 apartments, thereabouts. So several apartments per floor multiple floors obviously no elevator sure so a lot of that brownstones as well which is a little smaller of a house more something like uh you might see in philly like a row house sure. but a little different um and then we did have a couple of private dwellings but that was that's not the that's kind of rare and of course commercial sure. things like that but we had a lot of uh vacant and partially vacant buildings when i got there as well and so, but I, here's the here's the thing: the buildings are diverse. That's 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 good. But it's not. We don't have everything. There. Right. But what we did have was the ability to do about ten different hose stretches. Well, that's where I was on a moment's yeah. notice. Right. On a moment's notice. Right. You might have to do a rope stretch, a well hole stretch, a wraparound stretch, standpipe stretching. There's like ten stretches and. These firefighters have to know all of them, right. the ins and outs, the tricks. And like I said, we go to this place. Oh, we got a wraparound staircase here. All right, we know how to do that. So, that is the diversity. Yeah, that's the diversity yeah. right there, knowing all those different stretches. Yeah, and that's kind of where I was leading that, right? It yeah. It's like you know, in a first two like that to be able. I mean, that's honing your craft. I mean, you have an engine exactly. company that's got to be very well oiled to get that line. And not only that, but in the FDNY, you guys are all dead loop. Yes, right? correct. So, mm -hmm. which is mostly uncommon everywhere else in the United States. Yeah, can you, that's can true. you touch on what the, because I think a lot of the people that are out there see the FDNY, but like kind of touch on what in general is on the back step because we say a dead load and they just think there's hose, but there's, there's a science to what is actually on that back step. Right. So, uh, most New York City uh, pumpers have 500 gallon uh, booster tank and they have four beds in the back. And one is typically used for three and a half inch supply line. That's right. our that's our standard size for supply line. We have one five inch hose, 35 foot typically, and that's in the front tray. And then most places will have a separate two and a half inch bed, just completely two and a half, maybe 10, 12 lengths thereabouts. And then the two other beds your primary and your secondary sort of right. uh, are inch and three quarter, maximum six pieces. So 300 feet of uh, inch and three quarter and then filled out by two and a half. Got it. So that'd be a combination of two and a half and inch and three quarter hose. So when I, before I got out, 
I did a job-wide survey, about a five-page survey, where we asked every engine on the job, what does your hose bed look like? Like, what do you have on there? So, you know, they might have 10 lengths of three and a half. So, sent them the form, they filled it all out, and then we asked other questions about certain uh, tools that they might have, and then they have side trays on the side of the engine. What's in that? Sometimes it's just hydra yeah. hydrant cap right, right, right. or something like that, or a couple of pieces of hose, a couple right. of lengths of hose, or whatever it might be, you know, three and a half. So, I was able to get a snapshot of the FDNY uh, and they all turned it in, so we had it. Some people didn't know the difference between a Breslin distributor and a floor below nozzle, but you know, oh well. <laughs> and we included pictures. <laughs> That's great. Yeah, but we did, we did get them all back. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They weren't all correct, That's but we got funny. them back. Yeah. That's good. Well, yeah. I think the other unique thing too, right, is that I don't know if it's informal or formal, but you, each company's allowed to have their own identity and they find their ways they of, of putting their plan together, their apparatus together, their hose set, you know, like there's little tweaks, right? That there is. Company there is. Uh, we we didn't think we would see much diversity yeah. and you didn't. Okay. Uh, because they all kind of follow a similar formula. Right. That's what the, the beauty of the FDNY is that the game plan is citywide. Everybody knows what it is and the rigs are very similar, similar layout. So you can work somewhere. Right. You can fit in pretty easily. Yeah. You don't know everything, but you can fit in pretty well right. enough to function at a decent level. So, the uh, like you're talking about the diversity. So, there were only two engines that had less than six lengths on their primary, and they were both in my division, <laughs> and I knew of both of them. Yeah, right. And I was like, so one of them is in the Bronx, and so we go to a fifth alarm there, and I said, this is a. Uh, that company's line, and uh, the guy says, how do you know? I says, because they only have three lengths of inch and three quarter, and this two and a half is way up the stairs, more, <laughs> more than the other ones, yeah, so right. that's their line, and sure enough, it was, but. Uh, that's funny. Yeah, so. I, I always found it interesting, too, like I saw a couple pictures, some of the cabs of the engine companies, and there's a spare nozzle up there. Yes. With a two and a half and an inch and three yep, quarter. that's correct. For the second due company. Tra tradition up. says that the nozzle firefighter of a company, if they go to a multiple or something like that, if they don't stretch their own line, takes the takes their nozzle, spins off the other one, and right. use, uses your own tool because technically you've checked it that's out right. and it, it'll function. Yeah. So yeah. That, that's that's another pride thing displayed in a very traditional way. Yeah. Well, speaking of, so a lot of FDNY talk about engine company culture and so on, ladders too, right? Mm -hmm. But there's a lot more to it, right? The FDNY is such a big job. So much of the knowledge and experience that gets to be handed down within the American Fire Service stems from the FDNY. A lot of influential I, people I believe so. that come yeah. out of that institution, right? Mm -hmm. um, you know, you talked about, you know, involved with the roof rescue with Kevin Shea. Oh, yeah. Right? There's one name that people recognize, Kevin Shea, right? Sure. And you were instrumental in, in that rescue, that very high-profile rescue. Patty Brown, yes, right? Yes, correct. Uh, Vincent Dunn was the deputy chief in your firehouse. Yes, yes. Like, these are, uh, and Joe Angelini, which, you sure. know, if sure. you, anybody tuning in doesn't know who Joe Angelini is, please look him up and learn him and yeah. his story and yeah. so on. I mean, he is the senior man, right? Yes, he was. He was. He was the senior firefighter on FDMY on 9-11, yeah. and he was he was killed on 9-11. His son was also killed yeah. on 9-11. Uh, no, he was an amazing uh, man. 
uh, tough as nails and loved to go to a good job. And and he was one of these people like like an extra calorie burner, if you will. <laughs> like you know, if there was more work to be done, he'd be doing right, it. Right, you know, right. and you know, this guy could outpace all the young kids. You know, and he, he was just tough. He was just tough. One of these tough guys. And uh, there was a picture of Rescue One in an old WNYF magazine, and they had have, they had a fire at the hotel. Uh, Pennsylvania, I think it was called at the time, or the Statler, I forget. But anyway, it was right up the block from where where 1 in 24 is located. And there's a picture of all the five guys from the rescue. And, you know, some of them are smiling, some of them are, like, dragging ass, you know, and here's Joey. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. I know. That's, like, an iconic yeah, photo. Yeah, 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 yeah. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah. But where yes. I was headed with that is, yeah. like, you you are in, you were influenced by a lot of these people. That's correct, right? yeah. A lot of people in the American Fire Service don't have those strong influences that That's they true. can they can grab you know grab onto or grip onto and and you know flourish with that you know mm-hmm. because when you have strong firefighters and strong leaders they promote their people right That's, yeah you they gotta do. empower your people yeah I mean uh, I could go through any one of those uh, you know like Vincent Dunn right. so Vincent Dunn's deputy in my house the third division which covers Midtown Manhattan is located in the firehouse. So uh, he came from the Bronx, actually, and so he came with his own, I think he had his own driver, he brought his own driver with him, and, uh, and uh, so he, uh, he would come down to the kitchen all the time and say, hey guys, I'm working on this article, and uh, you know, what do you guys think about this? Does it sound plausible or whatever? So he would include, you know, on occasion, the firefighters and and their feedback before he went went ahead with something, and uh, that's that's very nice. Yeah, that's a nice gesture to put your stuff out there and ask the rank and file, "What do you think?" Right. It, but you know, it shows him being smart enough to get that right and have it right before you put it out there. You know, you, you, you take that extra step, and this was one of the things he would do. And, you know, he had written a book already, and maybe he had written two books already, but he had written, so he was a published author, and his book on collapse of burning buildings, I mean, has definitely saved lives. Absolutely. No two ways about that. And he was just a nice, nice, personable chief. And I, Kurt just had something on his thing, and I said, he was the best deputy I ever worked for. Yeah. Bar none. He was. Yeah. And very smart, very smart. I mean, you know, there there's certain people, they know how to look at things, and I think that's what kind of separates, like, great instructors from good instructors in a way, or, you know, some of the people that are thinking about different things in the fire service. I always hear guys say, oh, there's nothing new on baloney. There's plenty new. Yeah, right. There's plenty new. Maybe you haven't thought of it, but there are some things that are new. You know, we're not all just redoing the wheel. Right. Yeah. Some of us make our own wheels, but, you know. True. So I think that's important. You know, whether it's you are studying stuff that happened before, so you have a good background, or you're pushing forward in another direction because, you know, you're trying to see what's on the other side of that. Well, you're talking about, you know, the wheel. I mean, you got a few new wheels. Yeah. Things that you're involved yeah. with, oh, things yeah. you're passionate oh, yeah. about. Mm-hmm. Why don't we talk about that? I mean, I know, you know, listen, you've, you've worked with Elkhart. You've done brass tacks. You do training minutes for FDIC. Yeah. Right? The UL fires uh, study for the attack study, the coordinated fire attack study. 
water mapping. These are things that you are directly involved with. Yes. You have a brand new prop that you've been messing with, right? Yes, yes. Your yeah. hallway and small room yeah, prop, yeah, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Do you want to talk about that a little bit? Like, sure. Where's, what, where's I, that passion and where, what fires you up to like really to say, dive where in? Because this is, this is hard stuff. This isn't like, you know, you're no. really diving in and dissecting each little segment, right? Of yeah. the push. Yeah. Talk yeah. about it. Yeah, so um, I'll talk about the UL study. So uh, the fire attack study, they had a couple of components in there, which one was water mapping and the other was air entrainment. Then we had basically the study. So those offshoots there that they wanted to know about have become very important components in in reality to fire attack. So something that seemed you know, off to the side, like the vegetables, right. and this is the meat and potatoes. Right, right. I mean, it was plenty of meat and potatoes, but this other stuff is sort of foundational, sure. you know, to everything else. So it's been interesting that we've been able to, with the development of the, the hose prop, is to flow and show, basically. Right. Um, but it's funny because... I could go back to maybe 2007, I don't even know, the pictures, I was out in like Sacramento somewhere, and I have a hallway that I had them build for me, you know, up against the wall, right. and uh, I'm like, eh, you know, this didn't start with you well, that, right, yeah, that yeah. much I do know, right, sure, you know, course. so we were, we were trying, to, I was trying to do nozzle techniques, you know, and uh, sweeping the floor, or at a conference, right. and, you know, come up with this idea, or that idea, and they have been able to do something similar but with numbers got it so you're getting the they're capturing the the data that we didn't ever really capture right so a lot of the components were there they just weren't recognized or they weren't put together you know um but i will say like some of the things that i fought for in the uh first fire attack study which was i wanted a long hallway and i wanted the flow and move technique put in there and I got pushed back a little bit, but you know what? They kind of saw the relevance of the hallway and they built it that way. And then the flow and move turned out to be the shit. And yeah, uh, yeah. you know, now everybody's talking about making a push down a hallway. And I'm like, awesome, you know, but this is nothing new. Right. You know, like yeah. you said, the FDNY, this is nothing new for the FDNY. This was the way we did it. Right. So I wanted to make sure that we had some science behind that. Sure. And Steve Kerber, who was the head of uh, uh, the project, was able to agree, and uh, so I got both things that I wanted, and it turned out those two things are pivotal in a lot of this uh, stuff, and it's also pivotal in the education of firefighters, whether it be, you know, here or somewhere else, um, these components can be either built or, you know, facsimile can be made. Right. And just recently, uh, I was down in Phoenix area, and they had built a hose prop. And if you're not familiar with it, it's a hallway of about 20 feet long and then probably like a 10 by 12 room, and it's mostly plexiglass so that you can see where the hose stream is going and what it's doing. So even myself, just recently I was watching somebody do it, and I thought of something while they were doing it. That's kind of... You're asking me about like my contemporaries that I respect sure, and I have absolutely. a lot of respect for. They all they all have the same secret ingredient that they can see something and go, all right, hold on, maybe if I did this with this, those two pair together. Right. Okay, good. 
So I think that's the key, because look, you could teach anybody to give a class. They could just regurgitate all the numbers and, and all that stuff, but that's it. If that's all you're bringing to the table, that's not enough. Right. So, right. you know, um, this but you're still learning. I yeah, mean, you're, you're still learning. Just what you said. I mean, you know, yeah. you sat there, looked at the problem, yeah. and went, "Oh wait, hold yeah. on. Yeah. I saw something new, right?" Mm -hmm. With with all the stuff that you, when you look into all the details on the nozzle, like what are the just, and this is random, but like what are the mistakes that you see firefighters making on the nozzle? <laughs> well, there's two things. First is I see the mistakes and I try and correct them, but often this is habitual. Yeah what I'm seeing. This is not just a one-off. Sure. This is how this person operates the line. So it's a matter of we really need to teach them how to do it the right way first. Mm -hmm. that, that is the big thing. Um, I had this whole thing in my class years ago with, um, I'd ha I had a picture of one of my firefighters, the poor guy. Everybody thought he didn't know what he was doing. It was all staged. You yeah. know, it's like people are like, oh, he shouldn't hold it like that. I'm like, it's a staged photograph. Right, right, right. You know, but um, you know, you'd see firefighters, you know, holding the line like super close to their body, Talking like back, here. Yeah. You know, you don't have any rotation on this nozzle from right. here, and you're just about basically losing it. It's going behind you. So you'd see that, uh, different hand holes. I mean, I don't believe in holding on to the pistol grip. You know, I like the Ron Popeil method. Set it and forget, forget it. it. Yeah. You know, so um, a lot of it has to do with... Um, you know, how they hold the line and different things like that. So some people have to compensate. Some people just do fantastic anyway. But, you know, as you guys know, the pairing of hose and nozzles is very important. Yeah. And the fire service is, has kind of figured that out. Some, starting to get there. Starting to get yeah. there, correct. Starting to get there. So we know what the flows are what we're looking for, yeah. how do we match them up, this one with that one. So, uh, you know, uh, you know, and then how is the nozzle made? You know, all of that stuff. How is the hose made? Right. So there's been great advancements in both, obviously. And uh, once it's correct, the system is built, it, it'll function. It'll function highly for you. So in New York, we were doing the stamp pipe, and we were doing three lengths of two and a half at one time and then they switched to what I would call a blended line two pieces of two and a half one piece of two inch and we use this Mercedes XL right. um, so they found out that that two inch lead length is going to get us into the fire apartment faster advance better why not why right. not use that a little bit lower flow but still over 200 plenty and that's what we do and we're getting better results yeah. because of that. So a lot of places look at hose and nozzle evaluations. They really have to be done together to get the pairing kind of sure. correct, you yeah. know. And uh, We but, harp on that all the time. But once you do and you have this system for yourself, you put the time in, it should work. Yeah. It should work for you. And nobody's selling you anything. You're selling yourself. You know, I think part of the part of the issue too is you know there's an intimidation factor, believe it or not. I think stretching lines and flowing water because most fire departments don't do it every day. Think oh, about it. Yeah, no, right? I know. That's the know. real conversation. Is yeah. the majority of the country is not stretching lines every day and going to fires every day, or even stretching for training. Correct. Right. Correct. And so they they becomes once you 
deprioritize the stretch, right? It yeah. becomes one of those things that people start to put as a secondary function of the engine and not the primary function because we're doing more service calls, more this, more that, sure, sure. and it becomes more secondary. And then that's where you kind of develop this, you know, lack of knowledge and understanding because you don't have your hands on it every day. We gotta get away from that. We gotta get back to the primary function of stretching hose, whether you're going to a fire or not every single day, you gotta have a well put together engine company, whether it's two guys or four guys or six guys. I, I also thought one of the things that I picked up when you were talking with Corley more, the importance of making sure, especially if you're using a smooth bore, to have a pedo on the end and make sure you're getting that accurate reading yes, when you're doing that training. So we talked about the training just for the nozzle firefighter and getting that straightened out with the pump operator. Like they need to know that they're actually hitting that target Pump discharge pressure right. and that it's matching right. up at the, at the right. I I think most, uh, especially uh, departments that run a, a set pre-connect, have a pretty good idea what their pump. Do. Not everyone, though, obviously, because yeah. you you might have a variation in nozzles as well on on the rig. But um, you know, you're right. Uh, but in training, what I, what Rob is referring to is when I would have a company come out, an in-service company come out, I'd give. I'd pedo the line right. because I wanted for that engine to flow basically the same as tomorrow's engine. Right. And I couldn't always tell what was going on outside, so this is what we did. We made sure they were at 50, shut it down, now we're good to go. So that meant that each firefighter that got the nozzle got the same nozzle the other one did. Because, you know, you don't want you don't want a company to be like, wow, they're not so great. Meanwhile, their nozzle was 15 pounds right. over what it should have been. Right. So, that's that's a problem. So for equity and you know actually being able to judge them fairly, you you have to check the accuracy of the stream. You have yeah. to know what you're putting out. Yeah. So I would do that as an extra thing because well I knew how to do it and you know it's just it made it right in my head. That's how it had to be. So uh, that worked out well. Good. Good. Let's talk about, so let's pivot a little bit, right? So we're talking about yeah. a lot of training. Right. Um, you know, your involvement with the UL and your involvement with a bunch of, you know, the conferences and so on. Yeah. Training today versus training of yesterday, right? I know we talked about 1403 a little bit. I oh, know yeah. You yeah. wanted to yeah. hop on that a little bit. Yeah, we can get on Give your two cents because I think it's important to have realistic conversations, right? I mean, uh -huh. at the end of the day, we've got to confront issues and we've got to talk about things head on. Right. So... Um, training uh, versus training years ago, one of the things that engine officers have to get past is that <clears throat> wetting their hose while they're working. You can stretch a line and wet it because some the people that don't want to drill always push, yeah, but if we wet the line and we get a call, no, you know, we're going to have to drain the line. What are we doing with the line? Are we leaving it here? What are we doing? And that's going to delay us, and they're very concerned about that next run. But they're not very concerned about... <laughs> that might come in, right? Yeah, yeah no, they're no. not worried about stretching the hose. So, <laughs> right. so you have to get past that. So there's a couple ways. One is you just barrel through it, or, sure. you know, maybe you bring some extra hose with you, <laughs> or, you know, so that if you do get a call, right. you just break it and leave it. Most sure. people are not going to touch the fire hose. Right. They're not going to drain it out and go... What's oh, this worth? Yeah, it's yeah. not really worth anything <laughs> right. to me. So, and uh, so I had years ago. I because we have long. Our beds are about seven feet long. Uh, I built a plywood drop-in at the top that went that hooked on the sides the, uh, of the dividers, so I could put 
however many, it's four or five lengths up there, and we could stretch from that, and I didn't bother the primary, the primary, the primary bed. So I had that for a while on the rig. Uh, they, they knew I meant business when I put that thing yeah, on there. Yeah, yeah, It's going to be a long afternoon. <laughs> but that's another thing, too. Sometimes uh, officers overdo <laughs> drills, sure. you know. Mm. You, you want to get a point across. Keep the point kind of small. You know, you don't need to grab everything in a day. Work on something small. Get it done. Get you know, maybe get some reps in on that. That's that's the big thing is the reps, because you know, as we see here, you know, when you're doing a class, the more reps you can get, the better usually. Sure. So, you know, the reps are important. And then, getting back to the other thing the 1403 so NFPA 1403 is the standard you follow if you're going to do an acquired structural burn in other words somebody donates a house and you know the fire department gets it and they were going to do some fire attacks in there and basically um, some of that has gotten a little far afield it basically is an engine this is an engine th thing for engine firefighters and you know it's about extinguishment that's right. really there are other things you can get out of it of course time vent coordinated ventilation things like that and you know some searches in actual yeah. smoke right. conditions so there are other things you can get but the primary is fire attack and extinguishment so NFPA uh, has their standard on how it should be run and it's it works pretty good um, the NFPA standard, though, was built on some serious injuries and tragedies and deaths, and the standard, you know, had to make a turn towards that, and it did, and what happened was we have excluded real furniture from the burn process. So what I want to do is add a new chapter to 1403, and under certain circumstances, in other words, the model was that we would build a model home. Now, it's not going to be a home per se. Right, right, right. It's going to be a built environment that replicates certain engine functions that are valuable to the engine firefighters trying to put out today's fires. So that's the idea behind it, a, a fully dedicated, reusable model, a curriculum-based experience, and certified instructor cadre under the auspices of a fire academy. Yeah. So this is super tight. Oh yeah, this super isn't, tight. This, this isn't is, out in the roller, rolling hills of yeah. Kansas where, you know, we're gonna- We're not rolling know, any tires into the burn right, yeah, room. exactly. You know, exactly. that's not gonna happen. We got some, uh, but, yeah, got but, some but, foam but, but as of now, we can't do that. As of now, we can't yeah. do we're anything. Back. So right. my point is already proven because just look at the UL burns. So we had 25 UL burns in a in a uh, in their lab. So we had the house that was basically like this house, right. studs and sheetrock. That's all it was. There's no roof, no basement, none of that. No asbestos abatement, none of those worries. So whatever the hoops are to jump through, that's fine. But I still think by doing this and keeping it tight, we will be able to give a experience to a guy in Connecticut and the same experience to the guy in California and both of those will help them battle fires tomorrow. So I just scribbled down because I don't know how long you're going to go with that but consistency. Yeah. Right. You know just it goes back to what you were talking about before you know training at the, the in-service training with your companies and, and you know getting it to 50 you know so. every time you know consistency matters reps matter but consistent reps. So in the live burn experience, 
let's say you have a Cape Cod house you got. All right, so maybe the rooms are a little smaller there, the distances, the travel distances aren't much. So that experience, while it's fire attack and still decent using the current burn, burn material list, it's not functionally what are you learning. Right. So I want to increase the functionality of what we're learning, not just putting out fires. And I believe that the by following a tight regime, we can use real furnishings like UL did in all of their experiments, and they went in and put the fires out. So I think we can do the same thing. The other um, concern is, of course, people are worried about um, contamination. And I'm not sure. I think your contamination level is probably lower with doing a fire attack that lasts maybe a minute and a half, and then you know, fogging out the room, I'd rather be getting rid of all the smoke right. versus sitting in a flashover container for till your bottle runs. Uh, I don't know. I could good, be wrong, it's but a very good point. I don't know. It's so, a very good point. But we'll we'll make showers available and we'll clean the gear and sure. you know that's fine. That's fine. Sure. It's not a but problem. It's, it's really about that experience and yeah. what they're missing. I think so. I think there's a and they can change that. And I'm hoping to get enough of them on board that we will do it. I already have the fire department that's interested in doing it. So we will have, I will have an experiment before the end of the year. Oh, that's great. Yeah. That's fantastic. Yeah. Well, yeah. Much success with that because yeah. I think uh, it, that would be a big turn for the abilities of, of uh, you know, getting more realistic training out there for- Yeah, in, we in have to break training. this cycle of being afraid of a couch. I agree. You know, <laughs> come on. I agree. You know? I agree. Well, you know, listen, fear is the, Fear is the firefighter's enemy. You said that in one of yes, your speeches. Yes, that's correct. Right? I said and that. And we overcompensate for everything these days, right? One thing goes wrong, we overcompensate, and then to bring it back around is near impossible. That's correct, yes. But it takes guys like you that are willing to put their foot, you know, stand up and say, hey, you know, maybe we went a little too far. Let's bring it back a little bit. That's all I'm we asking need for. I'm we need asking more of that. For just a little consideration. And yeah. I, I, I'm, I'm not upset with the way they do no, anything. They're, they're great. But I, I think we need to add another chapter to it, and that's what we're going to investigate. So yep. hope it's explored yeah. further. So yeah, oh, that's yeah. great. Ray, we got a few minutes left, so um, I just want to want to throw a, I want to throw one at you for a younger guy in a in a firehouse uh, that doesn't have the best culture, struggling, small department, doesn't have a lot of chance to bounce around. Mm. You know, I know you're very strong in leadership. I know yeah. that uh, you endorse your people. And you respect people that work hard for you as a boss, but also you work harder for them. That's what a true boss does, right? So at the end of the day, some advice to those younger guys right now that you know are like, "Hey, man, I'm a couple years in, and I'm I'm getting disgruntled, or it's just uh, it's not it's not the job I wanted it to be, and I'm not enjoying it." What can they do? Well, you know, it, that would run the gamut from you know put up the good fight to look somewhere else. Yeah. I mean, some things are just the culture is just so bad yeah. that you're not going to change I agree, it. You I agree. are not going to. The cult, culture is very strong. And if you're looking to break through it, that's going to be a tough one. Yeah. Um, but I do get letters from uh, or emails from firefighters with that dilemma. Like, hey, I'm here and sure, the boss doesn't ever want to drill. And, you know, there's all these things going on. And it's really disheartening. It really is. It's terrible that, you know, firefighters have to have you know, they have all this energy, they want to learn, and there's no support system. So <clears throat> that can put a firefighter down the wrong path yeah. for a long time, or just be not be happy. When you go into a firehouse, 
you should be happy. It's it's your, it should be your happy place. I agree with you. Not your dreaded place. Right, right. You know, right. it should be good. And you know, I would for a lot of these firefighters always take baby steps to see if you can get some changes. It takes time. Maybe it's a matter of you just need to be in a different place or a different shift or yeah. <clears throat> or a completely different new yeah uh, position career somewhere. And you might as well if you're not going to be happy. <clears throat> make the change that will make you happy. Talk about the conferences. Mm. You're very involved. Go ahead. You're very involved. In, no, you're fine. You're very involved in conferences, <laughs> tons me. of different conferences all over, right? You're, you, you, you speak, you do hot training, you do hands-on and me. so on. No, no problem. Yeah. That's another avenue for these kids. Tell them to get involved, right? Oh, yeah. Seek it out. Get out there. 100%. I, I totally believe, like, the NFPA committees is a good place. <clears throat> UL. Or just get involved, period. Yeah. You know, get, you know, have an interest. <clears throat> have an interest in whatever it is that interests you and explore it, write about it, and it opens doors for you. Yeah, but you have the water? <clears throat> Excuse good? me, I do. But okay, good. Just want to make sure. Got a little coughing jag going on. No, here. you're good. Yeah, I mean, <clears throat> so live from the show, what do you... What do you got for, what's next for Ray McCormick? Other than that 1403. Oh gosh. So what's next for you? <clears throat> yeah. A bunch of travel next month. Okay. <clears throat> and then. You still enjoy it? I do. Yeah, what? yeah, I enjoy it. And then uh, doing some local training the following month and then I'm off for the all summer. Okay. So then we'll revisit some stuff in the fall. What's your downtime? What do you do in your downtime? Oh, I go to the beach. Do you? Yeah. That's me, man. Yeah. I'm a beach bum, too. <laughs> for sure. Well, good for you. Well, Thanks. enjoy the summer. Enjoy the beach. Thank you. Because I know how hard you guys do work. And, and uh, I will yeah. say that it's been an absolute uh, privilege to become friends and to, well, to get you. to know you. I appreciate you. it. Um, and for you to be here today with us and share the message, <laughs> uh, I appreciate that. And uh, I just know how busy you are. But I think that what you do and what you have been doing <coughs> for the fire service is uh, is important. And we value that. So well, from an outsider it. looking in, thank you for everything that you've well, done. Thanks. I appreciate being asked on here. It's, yeah, of course. Uh, you know, it's a busy time at FDIC, but I'm happy right. to be here. As, uh, uh, people at Mercedes booth are very nice. And uh, hanging out with you guys is good, too. Absolutely, man. <laughs> I appreciate it, brother. Thank you very right, much, Ray, thanks, for joining right. us today. Right, thanks. Guys, thank you for tuning you so in today. From Mercedes Textiles booth 4950 and 51, Lieutenant Ray McCormick retired out of the FDNY. An absolute honor to have you here today with us. Thanks. Um, the Mercedes Textile family has been incredible. They've given us a home for the next day and a half here to uh, share and spread the good word. Ray, you were part of that today. Just sharing the word. Get out there and tell people that the fire service is good because that's really what the message is all about. So. We'll be back tomorrow live at 11 a.m. and again at 3, a, uh, 3 p.m. tomorrow live from the Mercedes booth. If you're at FDIC, join us. Come in. We're going to have an open mic. A lot of different guests from <coughs> in the industry will be coming in. Oh, and uh, we're going to be sharing a good word. And uh, if you're tuning in live and watching the live stream, thank you very much for tuning in and giving us some time today. Ray, thanks for sharing your message. We appreciate My it. My pleasure. Rob, thanks, pal. As always, man, yeah, it's man. been, it's been a hell of a day. Yes. Good. <laughs> Thank you for tuning in. Thank you for everybody being here. Have a great day. We'll be back. I'm Jeremy with National Fire Radio. Have a good day.